Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. Move the mashed potatoes and scoot over that stuffing because we need to make room on your Thanksgiving plate for Martin Scorsese's 1978 concert film, The Last Waltz. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to this Thanksgiving edition of the 3324 Podcast. You're here with Dean Legiro and Eric Kuber, giving you the best in music and film podcasting. Welcome aboard. We are so happy and thankful that you could join us for this episode. Right, Eric? Indeed we are. Yes. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we're here to talk about something real special. This is, I think, uh, another one of those subjects that we're, I think we're pretty much equal on in terms of our passion for it or, or whatever, yeah. you know, our liking for it. So this is definitely something that is definitely in our wheelhouse that we both equally enjoy. Well, this, this is this is the true definition of the yeah. 3324 podcast. This mm-hmm. actually encapsulates it because it is music and it is a film. A film proper. Yeah. No so this is about. like, you know, yeah. this isn't yeah, music video. So this is the the uh the concert film The Last Waltz which is basically the final live performance or celebration of the group, the band, um, as they uh, broke up uh, 19, well, the concert was 1976, they'd break up in 77, film would come out in 78. So let, let me do a couple of stats for this, because we've got it. Not There's not a lot, um, but yeah, it was released in April of 1978. It was filmed on November 25th of 1976, which is Thanksgiving Day, and in an odd happenstance uh the the thanksgiving year of 2021 when we're recording this november 25th is also thanksgiving so (laughs) that's a little kind of if you're into that superstition thing well have at it (laughs) directed by martin scorsese oddly enough um you know him for and this would be the last film that eric and i would ever think that we'd be doing as the first scorsese film i mean it could be you've got your pick but uh the last waltz is is the one um, and it features the band, and I'll just run through the the members of the band in case if you're not familiar. But you got Robbie Robertson is the uh, main lyricist, which is under some contention as well, uh, and guitarist. You've got Lee Von Helm on drums and vocals. You've got Rick Danko on bass and vocals. 
Richard Manuel on keyboards and vocals and Garth Hudson on keyboards and every other instrument you could think of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plays. Yeah. He's, he's the musical savant of, of the group. They all are actually. That's I, I true. The, the thing about the band, right. Is before we even talk about the film, is there one of their, they really kind of are known for like the Americana style of music. Mm-hmm. The night they drove old Dixie down the weight obviously is one of their most popular songs. Um, up on Cripple Creek. So they're known for that whole Americana style of music. But this group is just, these are like, this is like the all-stars. They all can play different instruments. You've got three singers in the band. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, yeah, so everyone's got multi, multi, multi-tool multi uh, players in this group. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Levon Helm, he also plays, what, fiddle? Fiddle, mandolin. mandolin and he's you know he's he's kind of a, I, I guess you, you know that's where the contention comes in between songwriting chores i think he you know likes to take the credit for some of the stuff and uh you know i don't know what exactly you know who did what there but it's just and i know um all around all across the board you got you know this this band who was just uh who were the backing band for bob dylan and I think they started out as what the, the, uh, the Ronnie Hawks. Hawkins, the Hawks, Hawkins, yeah. Yeah, Hawkins, <laughs> Ronnie Hawkins backing band first yeah. in the early sixties. Mm-hmm. Then they graduated <laughs> to Bob Dylan, <laughs> Bob Dylan, <laughs> when Dylan went electric, he, he used them. They, they still didn't have a name though. They weren't the right. band at the, at that point, they were just backing band for Ronnie Hawkins and the backing yeah. band. <laughs> I know they, I know they came Dylan. up with a few, few titles and I think they talk about this in the film. Yeah. They kind of joking around about it. And they, so they threw some titles out there, but and the then band, just, it, it, just, the band. it just, it's stuck. And, and you know what? There it is. You it's, know? So, it's simple and it's direct and it's really to the point. Yeah, <laughs> it's the band. Exactly. Yep. So they, yeah. So they um, really came to prominence uh, working with Dylan um, when Dylan went up to Woodstock and, and the house in big pink, the, mm-hmm. the band, you know, they went up there with him and, and a lot of recording, a lot of prolific uh, material came out of that. And then they decided to strike out, on their own. So the, the band as, as they're known was active mainly from 68 to 77. Uh, as far as this incarnation of the original, uh, members of the mm-hmm. group. And, uh, yeah, they, they were just, I mean, if you're a backing band for Ronnie Hawkins and Bob Dylan, you're touring all the time. I mean, that's the life you're on the road right. you're out there. If you're a backing band, you're not a recording artist per se. You're out there gigging, right. Mm-hmm. You're constantly doing that. And that was kind of the life that the band had was constantly touring, constantly being out on the road, and then, of course, making albums. So um, the last waltz would be their final concert before they were breaking up, much at the behest of Robbie Robertson. Everybody, you know, in, in, you know, I don't know if it's revisionist history, but everyone now says, or the other members of the band say, well, we really didn't want to. It was Robbie Robertson that mm-hmm. was really pushing towards it. And, and Robbie Robertson's concern was, just, this is not a sustainable way of life for us as far as the amount of, uh, <laughs> the amount of drugs that was re- it was really oh, yeah. the amount of drug taking that was going on during this time. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was, he had concerns. He goes, this is just not a way to sustain. And he was actually looking to do like we've talked about in other episodes, get off the road, but keep, the band as a as a recording concern and just yeah. make music but not have to tour incessantly right much like um, the beatles you yeah know, beatles uh, beach boys on. right mm-hmm. uh, not touring in the 66 they you know they kind of but yeah i mean um, Stilly dan same thing right 
Yeah. yeah, but you're talking about, I mean, we're talking about circuits that were, you know, this, this was, this was not, you, they weren't, they were playing some big, big arena, you know, some yeah. big places, but they're also playing a lot of like dives and clubs and, you know, just wherever they could, you know, get, get, get the ticket or whatever. So you're talking about some pretty, some pretty uh, shady circuits and you know, so all <laughs> kinds of, all kinds of stuff was happening yeah. I mean, behind the scenes. So, I mean, you know, you've seen it all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, some, so before we, we start really getting into it, how did you come to the last waltz? When did you first see it? I first saw it actually in uh Dops, the pickle. Really? Yeah, it was uh, in New York. In Dobbsbury, New York, is where we we both grew up. They had a movie theater in town, which did not play uh, first run films when they first, you know, when they first came out. You, they would get it like maybe a year later. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. So, <laughs> if this movie came out in '78, um, I probably I didn't see until probably '79, '80. Really, it was around then. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was like, uh, they used to play like a lot of the, the music movies. Yeah. They on, used to do the, the midnight shows on the weekends. Yeah. Sure. So I would song, go. Song remains the same and Rocky horror. Yeah. Like I saw, that. I saw, I saw kids are all right. I saw Woodstock. I saw, and I saw this film. Unfortunately at the time I, I, I didn't, it didn't quite grab me. I didn't uh-huh. know who these people were. I just went, you know, I just uh-huh. went to see it. And I, I was impressed with a lot of, a lot of the stuff that came out of it, but I just, again, I just, I, I didn't know who these guys were yeah. and, and I didn't, you know, so I didn't think it wasn't until much later on in like the late eighties as, as always with, with us. <laughs> um, we, I remember watching it with you. Yeah. You had the, you rented the VHS uh-huh. and um, we had both been at that point, I think his first solo record came out. Right. Rob, just around that time. Yeah. Robbie's I, I came first to solo it. record. Yeah. I, I actually came th- to it through a pizzeria, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> I was working I was working at a, at a pizzeria in the mid '80s as a delivery, yeah. you know, delivering pizza. And the there was two guys that owned the pizzeria, and one was really into music. He was, you know, the, the '80s, so he was a hippie back then, but not not during the '80s. But he was into all that stuff, and he used to. And, and they got this this really giant projection TV. And back then that was a kind of a big thing to have a projection TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had this giant screen and, and they set they had a, a party room so they would set it up. And he, my boss just kept on harping. He's like, you got to watch the last waltz. We have to watch it. We have to watch it. I'm like, like, I, you know, I'd heard of the, the last waltz as a, as a title. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really know much about it. And right next door to the pizzeria I worked at was a video rental store. So you know, and in the pizza, pizza business, you're working pretty late, like 11 o'clock, whatever. So he rents it like midnight. We're watching the last waltz in the pizzeria <laughs> on this big screen TV. Okay. And I, I, you know what mission accomplished because I came out of there like a fan of the band. I, I didn't realize, okay, I knew like a, a decent amount of the band songs, right. but then there was some other performances. I'm like, wow, just amazed. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, I, I pretty much got on the, the band wagon. Get, it? Get, it? Get that? That's the a good one. And the bandwagon. Yes. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, and and then and then right after that, yeah, not too long after that, Robbie Robertson put out his his first solo album. So yeah, there was a nice, mm-hmm. a nice uh, area or a nice time when I was kind of coming to know the band and then getting some new material from Robbie Robertson, who became one of my favorite artists as well. So which we absolutely, I remember really digging on that album so much. I mean, it was such which one, such Robbie a Robertson. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it was such oh, a my different. God. Love it. 
different sound and and you know produced by uh co-produced by daniel lenoir who yeah. i became a big fan of him and his production work working with peter gabriel and u2 and yeah and, that, so and that's forth. what he did and, he grabbed gabriel and he grabbed and, u2 right. and, and and got them involved in robbie robertson's solo and that's album. very much robbie robertson's uh thing is 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 uh being in the moment of what was going on in the music scene and you and this would be inherent in all of his solo work going forward you would yep. see different artists and different whatever was even he even touched upon electronica at one point he was doing like electronic music and and you know some blues and this and that and yeah i i just loved the absolute sort of eclectic nature of that record and yeah. you know bodines that was a band that you they and were, i were yeah. into as well as well tony um, levin was on that album i yeah. mean it was uh, maria mckee from a band called lone justice but yeah the, the, the curious thing about robbie robertson is the lead is the leader of the band recognized as the leader of the band recognized as the lyricist but did never never sang a song and really mm. um in in the in the recording of the last waltz famously the story is his mic was turned off that because he just didn't have a good voice so yeah. you see him singing throughout the throughout the movie his his microphone was not on <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it was really interesting that this guy all of a sudden starts putting out solo albums and, and he's got an interesting voice, but that's really what I like about him. Um, yeah. It's, it's not it's, a croon. He's not a singer. He's not a singer. He, he you know, but, the, but he but does, he, he uses but he gets the got. job done. I mean, what exactly. he's, evo- what he's emoting and what, what's evocative <laughs> of, of what he's writing about. Yeah. He, uh, he gets it across. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I think it's his guitar playing that really you know, his, his distinct. We'll get to that. Uh, of course we oh, will. You, oh, you just wait. You, you know <laughs> oh, what's coming. I, oh, I you know what's coming. Yeah, you know what's I, coming. It's in the notes. It's 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 coming. <laughs> it's on its way. But in the, in the meantime, so the, you know, the, Robbie Robertson had this idea. This is not sustainable anymore. The road life is not sustainable anymore. So let's have a concert. We'll just we'll have a concert and we'll just kind of have a, have a, a show and see ourselves out. Right. Basically, mm-hmm. that was the thing. Then it was like, oh, you know, Ronnie Hawkins, let, let's get him because we, he was like, you know, our mentor and somebody we worked with. And then before you know it, all these people, they start getting all these people to show up for this concert. Robbie Robertson reach out, reaches out to Martin Scorsese. He does not know him, mm-hmm. but knows he's a music fan and says, hey, w- would you be interested in filming this for us? Like we got, you know, we're, and this was like six weeks before, yeah, which is not a lot of time to prep. <laughs> really it's not and he was actually anything. working on another film too i believe yeah, he was working new york, on new york new york, york. yeah yeah so time, he was so. he was thick in yep. the middle of his own career and, and doing <laughs> yeah. things and then this this robbie robertson guy comes up to him and says hey would you be able to do this so they they really pulled it together i mean they got like scorsese got a lot of his a lot of di- of his directors of photography different people he worked to be cameraman on yeah. this to really just kind of shoestring it a, a who's who of talent right i mean Dr. John, Ronnie Hawkins, Muddy Waters, Clapton, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, Van Morrison, Neil Diamond, mm-hmm. uh, just everybody. And, and, then, and then they secured Bob Dylan, which yep. was the big – Bob Dylan was the big get at the time. So that of was like the big yeah. thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so they put this, this show together. And the, the, fun, the fun thing about it is, is it took place on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So the event actually started at 5 o'clock in the, in the evening. Um, and they served 5,000 turkey dinners to everybody. That's amazing. And there was, and there was ballroom dancing. So the, so this was held – I'm sorry. This was held at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, which is uh, legendary music promoter Bill Graham. It was one of his his venues. And that was like one of the first venues they ever played as the band or the first venue they played at the band. So they thought it would be 
apropos to to close out their career there. So uh, 5,000 turkey dinners. <laughs> uh, they had tables set up in the, in, in, in the venue, uh, long tables where everybody was eating, and then they moved all the tables and had ballroom dancing. That's a hell of a um, that's a hell of a Thanksgiving feast, man. That's oh, what a way to what a way to celebrate with, Thanksgiving. With four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other right? friends, right? Um, and then the concert started at nine p.m. So they had four hours of of you know kind of revelry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concert started at nine p.m. Now the interesting thing about the movie is what is it like two hours, give or take, maybe a little bit less, and it's got interviews, and it's got other supplemental stuff in there. Mm-hmm. The concert ended at two fifteen a.m. Yeah. This was like a five hour and change concert, yeah. not yeah. counting the 5 p.m. dinner, the four of the four hours of, of all that. Then then the actual event starts at 9 p.m. doesn't end till 2.15 in the morning. Yeah, that's that's amazing. They should have started it earlier. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have, you know, if you had been, been there. Thanksgiving, though, it should have been a Thanksgiving lunch. If you, if, God, if you had <laughs> been there, though, I mean, to, to have experienced that, that would have been. Oh, yeah, that, something, that's an event like know? nothing else. I mean, you, you can't you can't pull that off today with having, no. you know, they, they have festivals nowadays, obviously, with all that right. stuff. But but going to an event and, and having yeah. a sit down turkey dinner right. on Thanksgiving. It was um, almost like the end of it, uh, the end of an era. There. Yeah, it was not a celebration, not just for them, but I think you know, just the music scene in general. Things Ooh. were changing so rapidly at that yeah. point. It, and as Robbie Robertson pointed out, it's the it's the per, it was the perfect exclamation point to our and, and to to have been into the band, to go back and listen to what they've done, uh, to have experienced them and you know live before. We didn't know any of this. We didn't, when you see yeah. the film, but you still feel it. You still feel that emotion. You still feel something from it because it, it just works so well. And I think, I don't know if it, it has, obviously the performance is there, but let's give credit to some, some credit to Scorsese and the way he approached this damn thing, which was very much like a, a movie in itself. I mean, he went nuts. I mean, he actually, you know, wrote a script, storyboarded the whole thing. He had every, every camera was, was manned. It was at the ready. <laughs> Robbie Robertson was head, his head was spinning. He's like, I can't believe this guy. It's like, I, I wanted him to film it. But when you film something today, like in a concert, you got guys on the, you know, off the stage and, you know, it's not always perfect and this and that, whatever. This guy had everything, you know, Michael Chapman and bringing his cinematographer and he worked yep. on taxi driver. He worked on, you know, raging bull and, and he's completely had the whole thing like planned and set up. And, and it's just amazing to think that, you know, every song, the lyrics were written down. Scorsese went through every song. He, and yeah, he and, wanted, and he wanted camera angles and camera shots camera and certain, the lighting, the lighting and everything, you know, the mood of what the, what the song is, what yeah. are the lyrics saying? We got to set the lighting up a certain way. I mean, it's yeah. like, how do you do this in it's six weeks? Six weeks. Yeah. Right. It, 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 you know what though? <laughs> you know? It wasn't. It wasn't without its issues though, because right. With all those, and it's amazing that they got what they got because the the thing that Scorsese didn't count on as as a feature filmmaker and not a documentarian mm-hmm. is that f- film canisters need to be changed out when you run out of film because they shot it on thirty five millimeter. So this wasn't yeah. digital, right? So you you have to change out the the film. When it happens, and and for one performance in particular, Muddy Waters, yeah, all, all the cameras were shut down except for one, and Scorsese, I believe, was telling the guy to shut it down so they could they can kind of swap everything out, and he's like, no, I'm going to continue to film, 
and if you watch it's it it's it was the one camera shot and yeah thank god much, yeah thank god because he's a hell of a performance you know, yeah, yeah manish boy yeah. that's right um, so so yeah so some weird some weird happenstance for that audio wise i'm, I'm sure there was some some uh oh, sure. enhancing in, in yeah. post production it sounds incredible though i mean just a you know, some some of these versions from the last waltz I like better than the studio versions, and I'm usually a hound for like I like Absolutely. the studio version. I don't like the live. I I could probably you know the night they drove old Dixie down, forget it. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. That's we're on be, it now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, we'll start there. The the, Fine. the the studio version does not hold a candle to no to that no. live version. You Absolutely will not hear amazing. a more passioned, impassioned performance of of that of that song. Than what Levon Helm does in that. I mean, it is one of the best performances by a drummer, no less. And this guy sings, and that always impressed me. Was yeah. you know, this guy can. I mean, he has such command, not only of his voice. He's got a very, very strong voice, but also his drumming style is just. You know, he's so on. Yeah. He's so and the, hor- the horns in that in that. Oh in my there, god, that arrangement of it too. Oh my just, god. Uh, just a yeah, lot. There's I, so I, much. I, I watch it and I, it brings tears to my eyes every time. It yeah. does. I, I, I get, you know, you know, <laughs> I get emotional about every stupid thing. But no, but seriously, I mean, this was a, a performance for the ages right there. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's great throughout the whole thing. But I mean, just watching him in this song is just, oh, yeah. And, you know, the horns just drive it home. And, and even Robbie, it's like, you know, you see him like sort of he's into it and he's like, you could see that he's singing on the top of his lungs, but you know, even though you can't hear, I wonder if yeah. that was Scorsese's decision <laughs> or if it wasn't his to keep but his I mic turned was, down. I think it was kind of known. I, I just think he, I think that was probably like an, I, I, I got the impression it was a normal order of business for the band mm. that his mic was not, <laughs> not really ever on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they made a point to kind of mention it. So I, I figured that must've been, because they could have just easy in post-production. They could have easily just, you know, they could have had it on, but then just not, used it in the mix so right um but yeah so yeah leave on helm and and in this movie as well so there's there's a mix of live and then there is some there's like three pre-recorded or or post-recorded actually after the concert they gathered everybody together to do some some kind of live in it like in a sound stage performances which they did the weight with the mm-hmm. staple singers which is a great rendition as well uh rick danko's vocal on that one is just i, I love his vocal on that oh yeah um, yep. And then they did Evangeline with uh, Emmy Lou Harris. Again, just really, just the performances they captured, even, even though those are on a soundstage and they're not in in front of an audience, um, just amazing renditions. It's a, it evokes it, it. It it really makes it. That's what really elevates it to uh, a film, you know, because you got this live performance and then you, it cuts to them talking about their experiences. And, you know, it's very much and, <laughs> and, they're, and they're, char- not, they're all characters. And they are they all are characters. Not, and they are not. I don't think they're sober in any in any any one shot of this of this movie. I Robbie mean, Robinson I mean, looks ripped throughout every. <laughs> I mean, they, they, that's the thing is is in the beginning, like yeah. like Scorsese because Scorsese was battling a heavy cocaine addiction at the time, yes. so all these yeah. guys were were deep were knee deep in in the snow. Yeah, but there there are a couple of those, especially in the beginning, where Scorsese asks Robbie Robertson a question, and he's like, "Why don't you ask me that again?" <laughs> like, 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 but they don't that, that would normally be the the outtake and you would cut and then you would have you, no way you wouldn't have that in there but he left nope. it he's like you know it's like won't you ask not me Marty. That again? no he's not gonna cut that no way there's no way he's gonna cut that so it was, so. Kind, of, it was kind of funny you, you know so they left all that rawness in, and these guys are road dogs i mean they have yeah. stories from the road 
they they look weary. They they all look weary. They look that like they've is they've character lived though. Yeah. That's what we really you get the sense that yeah, these guys have been through it. They you know you know it, um, and it's a testament to the bands that are some of the bands that are out there today doing it. They're, of course, yeah. they're probably doing it smarter because they're not probably partaking in the in in half the the substances that were taken yeah. at the time. Jeez. So they're, they're, you know, they're, they're coming, they're approaching it in a different way, which is great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, they're like troopers, man. It's like, they've been to a war and I think they yeah. even refer to that. They, 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 they kind of say that a couple of times in, throughout the film. Uh, yeah, just interesting. And that's part of the most interesting aspects of the film too, is they just, you know, you, again, you don't know these guys. We didn't know them back then, but yeah. to hear these stories, I'm hooked. Um, yeah, um, they were I, funny, I, I, and they're yeah. funny stories too. They're yeah. kind of very off they the are. cuff. <laughs> uh, some of them were about the old days or, mm-hmm. or the origins of of the music that they play, where it came from rhythm and blues and rock. So you you get a little bit of a, a time capsule of of where they were in their career, but then also looking back at at the start of their career and how they came up, and yeah. uh, you know, and and the band is is rock and roll royalty. I mean, they they really are. They it, for some reason they're just. They're not well known. I don't get the feeling that they're well known, though. Even though they're they're held in such high regard by their peers and everybody else. I, well, they're um, not. Main, you know, you're not. They're not your typical. They're not like the mainstream. Yeah, they're not, they're the, not mainstream, the mainstream, but they are well regarded. I mean, in the yeah. circle, you know, they're. Well I mean, so, so much critically. so that Clap, Clapton wanted to join the band. I mean, he he <laughs> literally was leaving. Right, like when Cream broke up, he was going. To yeah, Woodstock he, because I he goes I want to join the band like this is the kind of environment I want to be in. Yeah, he was always looking to just be a guitar player. Yeah. in the band he never you know he was never comfortable with being like a front man. It was Delaney Bramlett that kind of brought him out in that. But uh, but yeah, I think after I think this was this I guess it was before the Dominoes you know that he did this because that at that point he did yeah. Layla and then he would go on the solo. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that he, might have been the inspiration for the for the right. dominoes. I, I think he yeah, was looking absolutely. for that kind of a, a collaborative. He, he was definitely, he was atmosphere. definitely the Delaney and Bonnie was very similar to these like these big, huge, kind of like showcase kind of bands. You know, you had Joe Cocker's Mad Dogs and Englishmen. You had the, like all these musicians. The spirit of the Last Waltz is is exactly that. Yeah, and you're getting all these artists on the same stage and and and, and sharing in that in that elevated musical experience is like like no other. Yeah. is is an amazing uplifting experience to see and hear. Yeah. Um, and, and the interesting thing about the last waltz too is that the the performers that the guests played their own songs. So it wasn't like a tribute. It wasn't yeah. like a tribute concert where they came out and played songs by the band. No. Like no, Dr. Because, John Dr. John comes out and sings such a night, which is one yeah, of the, his this is, well this songs. is the well this was the, another interesting aspect of the whole thing was that the, the these artists were what the band was into like they they, they yeah. wanted to showcase their their interests their in music and their yeah. friends and, the, and, and different influence. aspects country blues yep. folk you know whatever they were into they they that's why they invited these artists because they were they just they were they were representing what they were into and what influenced them in yep. their songwriting and in their in, in their own stuff so it, yep. yeah it's great that they did their own stuff them backing them up but then go on then go you know for them to go on and do their own thing too which is some of my favorite moments of the, uh, is when they do their own songs and there's, yeah. you know, nobody else around, but them and, you know, hearing stuff like, you know, stage fright, which is another yep. one of my favorites of Danko. That's, that's a great, great performance right there too. Speaking, um, of, speaking of, speaking of Dr. John, really <clears throat> like, yep. do you know what, uh, that he was the influence or the, uh, 
he was the influence or inspiration for another famous doctor. Mm. Mm. He was the influence for Dr. Teeth of Dr. Okay. Teeth and the Electric Man. Yeah, I, I could from see the that. Puppets. He was. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he was he was the inspiration for Dr. Teeth. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. I get yeah, I Can get that. You picture that? Yeah. <laughs> from the all right, but, all right, all right, all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> with that with that with that Cajun that that you know New Orleans drawl that's that right. Dr. John has, but that's um, right. Yeah, he was he was the influence for it. So another yeah. another bit of useless trivia. Just throwing just throwing it out there. I actually got but, to see him. Um he opened Oh yeah, for, Dr. John? Yeah, he opened for Tedeschi Trucks band and what wow. um, they they had like a several other artists, you mm. know, it was like St. Pete and that was great. So they, he came out and I think he did a couple of songs with them. But again, another band that's out there doing this kind of thing and keeping that spirit alive of of having spreading the word. Of, of just playing this great music and, yeah. and, and showcasing all these different artists and, and being able to share the stage with someone that influences you or that you might be influencing them. I mean, you know, even, even bringing in younger artists to, you know, under their wing yeah. to, to push them out in the spotlight too. So, yeah. Yeah. So this was, just, yeah, this was know. just a, a total celebration of mm -hmm. their career. You know, the, the movie kind of chops up the order, but the concert was the, the band did all of their material first. So you kind of mm -hmm. got a concert of the band doing all their stuff. Then they started, you know, trotting out all the different guests, yeah. you know, we and, got and some you want, special guests here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you want to talk about an eclectic group. I mean, you've got Neil Diamond to Neil Young. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, you know, you, you're, you're not going to get a, a and, and kind of everybody in between. Right. He's and like the wild card, isn't he? Neil Diamond. It's like everybody talks about, Van Morrison. Why is he there? Why is Neil Diamond yeah, he, there? He's always the one, the one guy that everybody singles it. But he was great. He was absolutely great. Everybody was great. Yeah, you know, and that's are. and that's the cool thing about it, though. It's like it's a, you know, you don't care. It's like you know, oh yeah, Neil Diamond. No, no, you you watch him and you you love him. You know, because back in the day when his early when you think about his early stuff, I mean, he was doing very much what a lot of these other artists were doing too. Yeah. I mean, it was very sort of folky, kind of rockish. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, we're, we're thinking of Neil Diamond, like later on in years. Yeah, like, like Sweet Caroline and, you know. Right. Yeah, but. But yeah, consider... he was, I mean, he had just worked with Robbie Robertson around that time. So that yeah. might have been why he got his ticket. <laughs> yeah, I think Robbie. I think uh, he co-wrote that song, Dryer Eyes. I think the, that Robbie Robertson co-wrote it. Yeah, didn't he? He produced his album, right? Robbie produced I think that so. record. Yeah, I think was, so. Yeah, he was, you know, he was out there. He was he was doing doing other stuff, Robbie Robertson, and, and making making his career. And And the funny thing. Well, the interesting thing, I guess maybe we'll, we'll take this little off-ramp briefly, is that this collaboration between Scorsese and Robbie Robertson would be would begin a collaboration yeah. that goes on to this day. Mm -hmm. As far as um, I, I think, I think they were living together for a while. I think I think when Scorsese was having some marital problems or whatever he was going through at this time, I think they were they were living together. But then Robbie Robertson would find a career as a uh, like composing underscores and sourcing music because Scorsese is famous now. His movies are famous for using music like Tarantino mm -hmm. um, of, of using existing music to punctuate scenes. Um, and Robbie Robertson really did that for him. He started with Raging Bull, I think, then uh, King of Comedy, did not do Goodfellas, but then did no. Casino, Shutter Island, mm -hmm. uh, Wolf of Wall Street, all the Irishman. So th this is a, a, a collaboration that has gone on for years, where he uses him to help source that the appropriate pre-recorded music, 
but then also compose underscores. And he, I didn't know he co-wrote It's in the Way That You Use It for Clapton. Yeah. I didn't know Robbie Robinson. Yeah, that was for it. The Color of Money. The color of Money. Yep. Yeah, which he he picked all the artists uh, off on that yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, so, that you know, including Clapton, which, again, Robbie would have that relationship with him. So yeah. I guess let's let's go. Let's go. We're going to talk. <laughs> We're going to go there. there. Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> Dean so, has been busting my chops for years. Years. So how do we set this up? Let me see. I mean, okay. Eric has always been into Eric Clapton for a long, yeah. long time. It's always been one of his favorite artists. Like, like it's like his number one. It's his passion. And you you really it's it's a great watch and it's a it's a weird occur it's a weird occurrence that happened in the film but it's something that i take the opportunity to bust eric up about every chance i get and we haven't talked about it in a while so he's he's his his wounds have probably healed and he's ready <laughs> so so Clapton no. comes out and and he does uh, he does his song is is further on up the road he decides to do that that cover which is a classic you know it's a blues a blues song it's one of his like one of his easy peasy ones yeah, you have, so you, have, you have to watch the video. You have to watch the movie, though, and you got to pay attention mm-hmm. because Clapton, they, Clapton comes out, you know, wearing his velvet, his velvet tux. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> and his, 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 you know, two week beard or whatever. But you have to watch his guitar because his guitar strap is not put on properly. It's actually put on backwards. So and, and Clapton has one of the most easygoing, like he has one of the, mo- the smoothest players I've ever seen. Like he just plays like. Like he's not, he plays like he's like writing, like it's just so effortless and, and kind of just easy. Very fluid. Yeah. Very fluid. Thank you. <clears throat> and simple. So, so what but, happens uh, is, is he's playing the intro to further on down the road and, and kind of doing his, his whole intro soloing and stuff like that. And the strap, because it's not put on right, the guitar drops out of his, you know, he doesn't drop it all the way, but it drops off the strap and he kind of loses it and catches it. And Robbie Robertson comes right in, like did not miss a beat, like saw no. what happened, had a, had a like was ready just to to lay out a solo and just kind of like picked it up. Probably one of the better, you know, he's not a great soloist, Robbie Robertson. He's he's you know he's got a particular guitar sound, but he's certainly no Clapton. Let's I'll put that. Well, out no, there. he he no he no to 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 his credit. Okay, here's here's the thing. You you <laughs> a lot of a lot of people, and this is a, this is a this is an actual debate. Okay, amongst you know people okay. at large because let's hear it. It's. Uh, it's a you know they the people kind of saw it as as a, it was like a competition they were like you know competing against one another. I look at it from the standpoint of you got two great guitar players like you say Robbie just came right in without missing a beat. That goes to show you how professional, how in tune they are yeah. listening to one another. Because if you listen to Clapton coming back. You know, once he gets the guitar strap, you know, Robbie comes back with this. He fires off this really great solo. Yeah. And it's it's phenomenal. It, it is. And you could. Uh, yeah. You could argue, you know, he blew Clapton away. You know, that's like, oh, you know, just, well, round, just one, the, round one went to Robbie Roberts. Just round just two, in the maybe t- just in the tone alone <laughs> of his guitar, because he had such a fiery. Yeah. Uh, different sound. Yeah. And Clapton was doing this thing. And, 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 and even Clapton, I'm, I'm sure he even he was amazed. And this is something that he loves is like he watches other guitar players. He, you know, at, at the beginning, it might have been something like, OK, these guys are the competition or whatever. Maybe there's some ego there. I don't know. I, you know, whatever. I never but, thought of it that way. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. But when, when you if you really listen, though. If you take the time to like, you know, you could watch it, but I think if you if you actually listen to the audio portion of it, you hear Clapton come back, 
And what he's doing is when Robbie's still playing the solo, Eric starts playing rhythm. You hear it. You mm-hmm. hear him come come right back in, yep. and he knows exactly where to come right back in to play, just finish out his solo, and then he comes in with his solo. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Robertson kind of hands it off, like kind of, you know, that winds winds down what he's doing. And it almost kind of, if you watch the 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 movie portion, he almost kind of motions towards Clapton, like you well, know, Eric's like, kind of like, standing like, there, smi- yeah. you know, he knows he's like, he's standing there smiling, but he's waiting, he's waiting for he's a waiting. spot. He's waiting, but he, he knows instinctively where to come in. And Robbie yeah. would, would, would comment on this actually on, on their, on, on the, on uh, the clairvoyant album that they did together mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, Clapton guessed it on in the liner notes. Uh, Robbie said, he goes, Eric has always been, he's always had a knack for knowing exactly when to come in mm-hmm. on a song and when not to. And what not to play, like yeah. you know, so it's, you know, it's that to me is just is every bit as 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 great as like just coming, you know, firing off one guitar solo after another. It's like yeah. th- these guys, it's it's a conversation. They know how to speak to one another with the guitar, yeah, and that's impressive. Yeah, no, yeah, that you know? that was I never thought of it you as know? as oh, they're 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 competing against each other. I just thought it was always funny how Eric Clapton was held in such high regard, and then. Mm-hmm. Like, like a, just like Robbie Robertson had like the one shot. Yeah. Like, and he of did this free, of this freak thing that happened. And he took and he his shot in and because his second solo wasn't as good, but that solo was just, it was just, snappy, of course. it was peppy. It was jumpy. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a counter punch to, to the way Clapton plays. But when Clapton, you listen to more, when you, when you, by the end of the song, when you hear them both together yeah. and how they're harmonizing, Clapton has that higher pitch in this tone. It's, yeah phenomenal i mean yeah. the, i think it's the, one of the biggest crowd moments on if you listen to the audio yeah. on oh, the yeah. album it's like that's the one moment where they, they turn up the crowd like <laughs> you know like <laughs> but it, it's just yeah i mean it's it it was you know but i think you know in, in, in clapton himself would probably say yeah i was i was probably drunk off my ass anyway because you know like he probably yeah, who, was who wasn't they all were who wasn't right yeah right yeah. but but the I actually got to see them that recreated at Crossroads. I mean, uh-huh. he, they they he invited Robbie to come out, and they did that song again, and he introduced Robbie as Robbie introduced him. You know, uh-huh. playing guitar. <laughs> you know, and they came and they recreated it, and they you know it was great. That it wasn't as neat. it wasn't as great as that performance. Obviously, no, because but, you can't recreate. The, no, you the accident that happened. No, you don't. You don't purely on act, that, right. a, a purely a something that probably a guitar player never <laughs> wants to have happen is to strap. On, yeah. on hooks from the guitar and it, it he didn't drop it. it it fell out of his grasp and he grabbed it long enough for literally like like two seconds maybe not even most and and, and robbie just came right in and just like i, would think, okay, I, would I, think, I got you yeah, i would think that most people would be rattled by so rattled by that i would there was understand. just no way to come back from that yeah. you know what i mean but he did and you know i i, I give him credit and yeah, picked it right up yeah it's such a great, right great moment. And yeah, it's one that we've always, <laughs> we've all, you know, I, you always I give me you know, a lot of grief about it. Just, just because I knew it irked yeah. you. Like I, it's, that, really, it, irk you, it irked you that I would keep doing it. That's right. why he was like, oh, you blew him away. It's like, but I never, like I said, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I might've thought that back in the day, but, yeah. but now it's like, yeah, you really, you, you get a better sense of who oh, yeah. they are the, as the musicians. Com- the com- yeah. The and, camaraderie you know, was, was exactly. absolutely there. Yeah. It, it certainly wasn't a, a, a you know, a Steve Vai, Ralph Macchio, you know, crossroads <laughs> duel type thing. It was, it was, you know, he, he, he stepped in, was able to, to provide a really nice solo and kind yeah. of, 
keep keep the song moving right before they it broke down or oh we gotta you know let's do it again because the song just started they could have easily just said you know what, let's let's start over again right they could have just easy, as easily right. done that because it had just literally started and said no let's you know robbie picked it up and and kind of vamp, boy, vamp that solo till clapton was ready and then handed it back off to him too and so what, a, was what really a, and what a solo it was i give robbie i mean yeah. he absolutely blew it out of the water i mean it was just it's a, it's a great great moment you know, yeah, one of the better. It's one of my favorite moments in rock history, actually. You know, when you yeah. think about the mistakes, like that, you don't you don't really hear or see that often. Well, you know, it's just, but it's there, and it, you know, it's one of the great great moments. So yeah, it's just amazing. And, and yeah, you know, Neil Young. I mean, another yeah. another a fellow Canadian comes out and does Helpless, and um, Joni Mitchell helps out on kind of like some of the backing vocals, but they kept yes. her off stage and, and you, and you see it in the, uh, in the film, you hear her singing and you're like, is that Joni Mitchell? Then they, they cut to her and she's like in the dark, like in a shadow. Mm -hmm. The reason why they did that is they didn't want, they didn't want her to come out on stage yet. Cause they didn't want to ruin like her entrance, her moment. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of yeah. kept her off stage doing the backing vocals. So you couldn't, you didn't know it was her if you weren't yeah. paying attention. So this way she didn't, kind of have any anything kind of and it, and it didn't you know kind of take away from neil young as well and she did coyote which was great song. oh it's one of my favorites it's such a great great performance of that yeah, too just, i just love yeah, that just jazzy just a, just a nice yeah. mix of of, yeah. of talent mm -hmm. you know of, of these people that they got yeah some you know like how does neil diamond fit in with, with neil young and, and muddy waters <laughs> and like, muddy like waters all these, <laughs> so, you know and and you know so like you can kind of be like well dr john ronnie hawkins and muddy waters are kind of like the bluesier yeah part and then and then clapton kind of is the blues and rock he's, well he's english blues yeah. and he's you know so and again you transition into yeah. then you can try to kind of transition into the singer songwriters with neil diamond you know neil mm -hmm. young Joni mitchell so there if you think about it there is some groupings yeah, you know, and then and then my favorite performance, freaking Van Morrison, Caravan. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. when yeah. I saw that, it makes me smile every time. He with he that left leisure suit, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the the burgundy the burgundy suit with the lace up pants in the front. Oh my God, and, 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 and skin tight. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't the he, he wasn't Elvis fat, but he wasn't no. the fittest at the no, time. No, he was no, he was not. Certainly not. His, That's when he started gaining that. You know, his his performance of Caravan. He left everything out on the stage because I was mm -hmm. just I was just listening before we went on. I I went to Spotify and I was listening to the you know that that anniversary edition there, and it's got the rehearsal version of Caravan. Yeah, and you can hear him not not giving it everything that he would. Because when he does it, it for the filming, he he his voice must have been shredded because he literally left everything out on out, out on the stage, mm -hmm. and then the end when he's just the band is just playing, got the horns going, and he's just kind of he's kind of James Browning it like he's, he's leaving, but then he's like kicking in the air and he, then he's yeah. not leaving, and, and the the band is still trying to is like playing him off, yeah. Oh. Uh, I just, I always, from the beginning, when I first saw that film, I, I that's really my, was my introduction to Van Morrison. I didn't really know a lot. You yeah. know, you kind of know this or that. Right. But I was like, wow, this guy really like, uh, he, he gets like the gold star, the gold medal, I think for, for just best, best and most fun performance to watch when, went absolutely to Van Morrison. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could, you could definitely say that, but it's like, but the, to me, the whole thing, the whole yeah. film is just uh, extraordinary and, and, and very few have matched it. If, if any, 
if any like of all the concerts well, we've, talk, we've talked you know, about this we, we yeah. have talked about this and and i think the closest uh, i said and and for me like this was the gold standard mm-hmm. and and i think i mentioned to you that <clears throat> possibly the concert for george might have the edge yeah as far as like a you know something that is just absolutely amazing of the same type caliber of course they're all doing george harrison songs but just from the lineup and the quality of the of the arrangements and everything, it was just you know I I think it's up there with the last waltz. I think so too. As a concert I, film, as a concert film, sure. But I think I think the concert for George was for me emotional in a different way. It was it was slightly more somber. It had to be. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was more rever- you know re- in reverence to George, sure. and it was a celebration of his life, and so there were some real sort of like it had that gravitas to it, you know, mm-hmm. in certain moments, especially like the beginning before the, the, you know, they, they did the, you know, the with Robbie stuff Shankar and everybody with Robbie Shankar. Yeah. And then Jeff Lynn came out and did inner, inner Ooh. light. And who came out? <laughs> once again, here we go. The, same, the, the usual suspects are, uh... I, I, I think this is, I think this is going to end up being like Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. <laughs> Where they kept right? on saying, you know, we want to have Matt Damon on and, and yeah. Clinton or, there's, you know, or, or kind of yeah. like what, what's up with that on SNL with Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's an even better. I know better. time with Lindsey Buckingham tonight, but <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. Have you seen, have you seen the latest one? Yeah. With, with, with the guy pretending to be like, he said it was, he was him. pretending it was yeah. him. And it's like, it's the best, it was the best, you know, costume, costume ever. Was like, was like, oh my God, I was dying. It was so, so And funny. then, and then I think Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> tweeted like, Hey, it was great being on SNL for yeah. that episode because he was right. just totally, totally, <laughs> was, totally took the... it to the next level. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, I think that's the one, I mean, and there's, you know, you could, people might make a case for song remains the same. There's not a ton of concert films. Any, you know, stop making sense. Another big one. Yeah, that's a good I one. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of of those type of films, but this one was, like you said, it had that that film quality to it because it was part document, had documentary elements to it. Yeah. yeah. Also. So it wasn't just a straight up film performance, which Concert for George was straight up filmed performance. Song Remains the Same, film performance not really documentary it had those weird interludes of of like the film yeah. stuff like with the, you know the the they tried to get a little artsy and, and, with and, it yeah there you was know, just, riding, uh, riding through know. the countryside on a horse and and to be frank and to be honest <laughs> with you i i actually had my or my brother had the vinyl you know the the uh the soundtrack for song remains the same and i and i didn't like it i, I thought it i thought it was horrible at the time i, I just Strange. this you know this is not they don't sound good you know, yeah. they just, I think Robert ooh, Plant, ooh. I just, his vocals were just not quite ooh. there for me. That, just for everybody, that's Eric. But, uh, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, of course, you know, over the years, you, you know, you realize that this is rock and roll. Yeah. Because we're so in tune with what, what's going on in the studio. We want things perfect when you're yeah. young, you know, it's not going to sound that way in a no. live, you know, not always. But, but, you, but would, uh, you, you know, would think, though, with a live thing that they're recording, that they would put their best foot forward. Yeah. But I'll tell you a little inside baseball, just like about how <clears throat> how the last waltz they filmed those soundstage things, and they had to sweeten sweeten some things up. For song remains the same. They actually had to re- they refilmed some of that stuff too. Like mm. they didn't in the, in the for Madison the Madison Square Garden gig where they filmed it, they didn't get all the footage they wanted. So they actually brought them back out, made them wear the same clothing, and filmed filmed everything like them miming 
um, so they can get close ups and stuff like that. And you can tell because it's, it, you'll see like nothing behind them a lot of times. So yeah. A little inside. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about before we move on to like the aftermath, but let, we didn't talk about Dylan. Okay. In the, in the last waltz too. This was a fiasco. This was a <laughs> typical, typical Dylan, right? They, they, a, a lot of the investors in this film got made because of the promise of Dylan, like showing up and, and being a part of the project, right? I mean, he still yeah. had that, he still had that clout and that, that pull that, oh, Dylan's going to be there. Okay. Then we're, we're going to, we'll do this. Yeah. So they're filming throughout the day, right? And this thing started filming at nine o'clock and, uh, you know, there was an intermission at some point and, and Dylan goes up and says, you know what? Um, I don't want you filming me. Don't, <laughs> you're not going to film any of my stuff. I was like, are you for real? Like you're, you're, you're pulling this now, <laughs> the, the night of the show during intermission. And you're coming here and saying, you don't want us to film anything. So every people were livid. It was, it was panic in the streets. Yeah. yeah. And, and he wasn't listening to anybody. Um, so what they, cause, cause he, there was a couple of reasons he had, he had made a film that was coming out soon. And, and I guess he felt like he didn't want that to be this, to, to step on that. Um, again, legendary concert promoter, Bill Graham, that he's they're like, this guy's he's probably Bill Graham is probably the only person that Dylan will listen to. So set, you know, Bill, Bill Graham went over to Dylan and said, listen, you, you know, you gotta be reasonable. Mm -hmm. They, they came to a compromise. They actually did not get to film his whole thing. He said, you can film like four songs out of my set. It's like freaking Dylan. <laughs> like, you know, like this guy doesn't stop. <laughs> He, he doesn't stop making people miserable and just like you know, I know. making making it harder for people to to like to him. like him. But yeah. you still like it. Like I, st you still have to like him because of that. You gotta, like, exactly. You got to give the guy credit. He just like he's got he, a set. Know. He's got a set of stones on him. You know, yeah. like, like yeah, you, like you you do that the day of. Like you're yo, know, you're not going to film me. <laughs> like really? So they, I think they made the agreement. Also, was okay. You know what? Let us film you. This film won't come out until after your film comes out. And it was some weird thing he made in a bomb anyway and it hasn't even, never even been released on vhs or dvd um the, the one that dylan made so it was it was all for naught but they they came to the agreement and he did uh you know forever young uh mm -hmm. let me was it let me follow you down um baby baby let me follow you down and then i shall be released as well those, those were the ones that they captured um on film but he did. He did a bunch. He did Hazel, and he did I don't believe you. Um, so there was a couple of other songs that that he had done. But they just didn't he do you know, Love Minus Zero? No, no. Or was what am I thinking? I might, I might have been his thirtieth anniversary show. Yeah. They did that. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> and, and then at the end, they they had everybody come out for the obligatory mm -hmm. uh, jam session. They added you know Ringo Starr for some reason. It's like yeah, come out and hit the drive. I, I, it's, always weird. <laughs> it's always weird when they, when they trot him out, like it's always weird when they trot out multiple drummers at these things, because they're only going to reuse one. They, I, they I did know. it. They did it at the concert for George. They're like yeah. eight drummers out and, and Ray <laughs> Cooper and every percussionist under the sun. They're only going to use one drum track. Cause all these guys, all the guys are doing like all these fills, like they're doing, everyone's doing fills. You can't have a song with 20 fills every, every eight bars. No, no, it's, it's an absolute, <laughs> disaster it's a mess but, so it, uh, i just thought it was always strange when they bring out extra drummers like yeah well, ringo especially started, ringo Ronnie, but Ronnie ringo did. and they just throw him in everything i mean yeah. the guy just he's everywhere right you get he's it just... you get him for the name nothing yeah. against ringo <laughs> drumming I'm, I'm not making that point i'm just saying you know it's yeah. overkill 
when you have multiple drummers at these these shows and these kind of tributes and and these farewell shows it's like you don't you don't need well, that, three drummers well getting back to um to dylan um <laughs> it's cool that i mean you know at least he did show up and unlike yeah. the concert for george which i was that's the one thing i was disappointed was it was he so invited why, why did he not take part in that was he I'm invited wondering. that's the question i guess i don't know oh, he, he should have been would. you would you think, think he would be, be right i mean you know wilbury well, and you know whatever well, but maybe that's why I think that's where the, frankly, that's, you know, that the relationship that Harrison and Dylan had was a hell of a lot longer than, you know, the relationship with Petty and Jeff Lynn yeah, and, course, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, he covered, he covered, if not for you on, they, on all things must know, pass. I mean, yeah, he's been a Dylan right. fan from, from the, from the, from the jump. I, that always seemed odd to me. And I, I can never, I, not, I never really. He's quirky. That's why maybe, yeah. maybe Dylan was like in, in, California touring and couldn't fly to to Albert Hall or wherever. Like you know, no. it, could, it could have been a scheduling thing too. Of, of could I can't be. get there for for the one I, you know, I, I, I for the rehearsals other, and everything else. But I tend to think otherwise. But <laughs> yeah, but knowing what we know in our experience with with him as well, he probably just did it this way. He was probably making his bourbon and his whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, so they would they would wind. You know, the the concert would end obviously Thanksgiving of of nineteen seventy six. The film wouldn't come out until two years later because, yeah, like we said, Scorsese was in the middle of filming New York, New York with De Niro and Liza Minnelli. So he had actually had to get back to that. And yep. then in the interim, they, they, after the, the, the band finished that, that show, they did film the supplemental stuff afterwards, some interviews, this, that, and the other thing. And then they actually did owe their record label one more album. So they didn't break up that night they it was it was kind of like their farewell and their send off, but they didn't actually break up until until seventy seven. They would release their last album, I believe, it was called Islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least for this uh, <clears throat> this incarnation of the band, because like we said, this was mainly a a Robbie Robertson uh, fronted concern of getting off the road and breaking up, and um, and and things just kind of fizzled out. And then the band would kind of reconvene in around eighty three. Um, without Robbie Robertson, and it just wasn't the same. No, you know, and and be. and I think we can talk about the whole songwriting thing because I think it's important to mention that, you know, Levon Helm puts out a, his his autobiography, and he's like, oh, you know, I everybody collaborated, and and he he took advantage, Robbie Robertson, this that and the other thing. I think the biggest tell is Robbie Robertson for all of his solo work writes all the songs. If you look at any of Levon Helm's solo work, I think he's written one song. Mm-hmm. Everything else was written by somebody else or a cover. So yeah. not to choose sides, but I think if you just look at it objectively, if he's if he's this prolific songwriter or did all this songwriting, Huckabee didn't write any songs for any of his subsequent solo work or the stuff for the band. That's correct. Right? They would have it was Robbie Robertson they- not in the band after 83 because they did start recording again you would have an opportunity then to you know do do what you wanted to do it's kind of like the um <clears throat> kind of reminds me of ginger baker talking about cream in that sense like mm-hmm. oh jack bruce got all the songwriting credits like lyrically and you know but oh you know everything went to jack bruce and and pete brown who was his collaborator at, mm-hmm. you know but Ginger Baker would be like, no, Eric and I, you know, we did these little parts and we collaborated on this. So, yeah, it's very, very similar in that in that sense of 
probably bits and pieces of yeah so to a, what extent like a does, song like a melody like yeah. but lyrically speaking you could definitely tell i mean robbie just has that knack i mean he's just yeah a, and, and, and his and know. his songwriting was consistent at least in the yeah. themes and, and yeah, in the way exactly. he writes songs it didn't his solo work doesn't sound like the band because he doesn't sing like any of those experts right but the way he writes lyrics is is very consistent and and very much in the vein of of the previous material so yeah kind of like the whole you could, I guess you could nip, you can nitpick it of saying, yeah, well, to what extent does someone's collaboration grant them authorship, right? Mm-hmm. Or grant them a songwriting credit. If you said, oh, you know, use, use the word farmhand instead of farmer or something like, does that mean that you, <laughs> no, yeah. right? Like, does it mean you fundamentally helped write the song or, you know, or, you know, if you made a couple of suggestions, does that mean you you wrote you helped change the way the song was going to be? And is that is is that enough? Right, Mike Mike Love went through it with the Beach Boys. Yeah. He ended up getting credit though, so he was he was in the right in that one. Of yeah, I wrote a lot of this stuff. I contributed mm-hmm. with with the band. I'm not I'm not so sure. I'm yeah, not so sure. I mean, I, I'm yeah, going to tend to skew towards Robbie Robertson was <clears throat> writing everything, and maybe there was some some input. But again, how far does that go towards songwriting credit? There's a, there's a, a fine line which, which we certainly which, weren't there for. Which, in a way, is you know it, it's it, it's kind of hard to uh, to think about because you, like we said before, I mean, you're talking about these guys. Or some of these guys are like like classically trained musicians. I mean, you know these these are you know people who are composers of music. Not we're not just talking about writing a song. We're talking about melodies and 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 laying mm-hmm. down that kind of thing how much of that does anybody get credit for you know you wonder you know did robbie robertson write the entire you know uh, yeah you know piece of music to it or mm-hmm. the accompaniment and whatever it was you know so i think everybody had their little part to play but it's hard to say who gets what credit in, in that sense I, I definitely think there are certain songs that you could definitely know right out the gate who wrote what i think robbie for, for the most part no i know that he wrote uh some of the more popular right. stuff but then well, yeah, yeah and I mean, then he, you got like he, rick danko who you know who yeah. was not you know he, he has no he had his own no he's not you know and he had he's his no own slush. he made a few solo albums as well yeah and unfortunately <clears throat> most of the members of the band have passed away richard Manuel, yeah uh unfortunately took his own life at, at the age of 42 um Rick Danko would would die a few years after that, and then mm-hmm. Levon Helm would 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 pass in 2012. So the only two surviving yeah. members of the band are uh, Robbie Robertson and Garth Hudson. And Garth Hudson is pretty much up there; he's like 84 or something like that. So he's yeah. he's up there. It's a shame, it really is. You never know what yeah. Yeah, what transpires. You know. So then Martin Scorsese would go on to <laughs> to bigger and better, right? This was almost like a like a brief stop in his career of. Let me just do, you know, I, I've been asked to do this, but again, he he actually, um, he got Robbie Robertson signed to an acting contract and, and Robbie Robertson did a movie called Carney because mm-hmm. after they saw, after United Artists or MGM saw him in The Last Waltz, they're like, oh, this guy could probably be an actor. And he did, he did do some acting, Robbie Robertson. I mean, well, he definitely has the look, right? He's got, he's kind of a handsome, I mean, he's, he's got that kind of movie quality to his to his features right you know he's and he's got that voice too when he speaks he's got that low timber to his voice like in, in a lot of the 
songs that he does i mean he he actually talks and and it's it's a spoken yeah. word kind of thing which which we love you know i just <laughs> somewhere down the crazy river and you know that kind of stuff is just it's just great stuff sunny, but, sunny uh, got caught in the moonlight i love that, that that's with rick danko yeah. rick yeah. danko helps him out yep. on that too but uh, yeah it was but he did yeah he did some some acting wasn't he in um <clears throat> i think he was in that movie the crossing guard with Nicholson, I think Robbie Robertson was like the husband of uh, of Angelica Houston or something like that. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. So he, yeah. he you know, he kind of uh, not only was doing the music thing, um, but was also uh, doing the some of the acting as well. So he was a you know a, a well rounded gentleman. And then of course guesting on on like you said the some of the crossroads uh, of Eric Clapton's crossroad tours. Well, I, I, that was the pinnacle was the 2007 one for me. Uh, a lot of great things happened in that in that show, and he only came out for two songs, but that was enough for me. Yeah. I was over the moon that I got to see Robbie Roberts because we always <laughs> wanted like yeah. like certain other artists that you know we you know we we never got to see live. Like he doesn't always, tour. You know, yeah, it's not like no. he tours. No, yeah, you know, but he did. Kind of... He he with the Clairvoyant album he toured and he toured with uh, Dawes. I, re- I, I oh, really I recall. Oh, yeah, I see, I missed that. That they how were his be, backing... be Clairvoyant. Yeah, they were his backing band because he was really oh. like the Bodines. Like he, like oh, this is this brand new band I really like. I think they're gonna make they're gonna be my backing band for this. It wasn't a major tour, but mm-hmm. he, you know, he played some dates. Yeah, cool. so yeah, but, um, interesting. <clears throat> the last waltz, a, a Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, and that's the funny thing is this this movie this movie was filmed on Thanksgiving, but yeah. For some reason, uh, Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie seems to be the song that's always played on Thanksgiving. Right? I don't know if you, are you familiar with that song? Yes, with, of course. Like yeah. that became like a Thanksgiving tradition. I got to see this in the theater like the day before Thanksgiving a couple of years ago because they showed it in 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 like I don't know like one of the music halls or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was great because I was in in there with a bunch of people. Everyone clapped after each song, so it was like going to a concert. But but I think this is a, a really great Thanksgiving tradition because it's. It happened on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's a great one. It's a great one to pull out for, for this holiday. If you're going to be traveling, you're going to have people around or you want something on in the background, you could put on the last waltz. I, I totally agree. And given that the fact that it's the 25th, yeah. um, which is the day it, it actually, the date it actually happened. I think no that's better way to celebrate. Thing. Absolutely. No better we, way We talk celebrate. about like, what are, what are some of the things that we watch on Thanksgiving day? Yeah. King Kong. King Kong, where did that come from? Like, how did that become a Thanksgiving tradition? Because he you know, killed. Because like, I think they cut out a scene <laughs> on Skull Island where he killed a prehistoric turkey, like a giant turkey, <laughs> but they cut it out. So it was just, you know, it's just bizarre how these things, for ten years that that thing was on every year. Yeah. Son of Kong, mm-hmm. Mighty Joe, like where? When did this become a tradition? And you got stuff like the Last Waltz, which sitting in the can waiting. It actually happened right. on Thanksgiving. Right. Exactly. You know, That's so funny. then we, yeah. maybe we should start our own. Well, you know, we get it out there. I, we'll start our own tradition. Hopefully, hopefully people will. Hopefully, listen you'll, to this you'll episode check this and, out. Yeah, absolutely. It, it for <laughs> us, it's a, it's a. I, I think of it as as a Thanksgiving watch now because of because of when it happened. So now that you're everyone else is aware that it was a Thanksgiving day occurrence, uh, hopefully you'll add it to your rotation of things mm-hmm. to watch or have <clears> on in the background. So, um, I think that's going to do it for this Thanksgiving themed episode of the 3324 podcast we're going to leave the whole social media thing to the side and and thank everybody for joining us on, on these voyages and trips through music and movies that we so enjoy and love uh, we are grateful for your support 
So we're going to leave it there uh, for Eric. This has been Dean. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. But don't forget to please be kind and rewind. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 